G'day, 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 and welcome everyone. That's our resident scaredy cat, Kate. And that's the horror junkie, Dominic. And you're listening to Shit and Bricks. A podcast where we talk shit about some scary stuff. The sort of fear your asshole knows about. As always, subscribe, rate, and review us. And don't forget to follow us on social media at Shit and Bricks Podcast. All right, drop your dax, pop a squat, and let's get into it. Hi, Kate. Hi, Dominic. How are you today? I'm feeling really, really good. Uh, yes. Yeah. I do, we just uh, launched our two test episodes. So I guess if you're listening to this, you would know that by now. But hey, I'll remind you one more time. <laughs> Absolutely. How very exciting. It's it's real. I saw us on the Spotify the other day. It was very, uh, very cool. And the Googles. Little... Hey, Google. And, hey, Google. I see you. Agabagool. Um Yes, so very, very exciting. Before I get into this episode, Dom, I just found it really bizarre. So I was watching an episode of Law & Order SVU last night. As you do. the latest, yeah, it's one of my faves. Um, And it was one of their latest episodes. And it revolved around this creepy guy mummifying his victims and setting them up like a dinner party. Okay, told you, I can see into the future. This is meant to be, Kate. I couldn't believe it. I don't, I, I should have called you immediately, but I think I was just too like blown away that I just, it's so creepy. For those of you that aren't aware, and you haven't listened to last week's episode, it was about Russian dolls, essentially that, that topic. Um, it just, it freaked me out. So it was very, very close. Was his name Anatoly? <laughs> it was not Anatoly. It was Trent. Oh. Trent is kind of the Anatoly of America. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it definitely is. It just it's they're in the same wheelhouse. <laughs> All right. Now, the other thing before I get started on my story of ancient Egypt today is last week we were talking a lot about pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, you enjoy tripping yourself up with Moscow, Moscow, cemetery, cemetery and also all of the Russian names. Mm-hmm. Under the sun. Zini Novgorod Leninitsky. <laughs> exactly. Which I personally think you pronounce absolutely spot on. Um, but I thought that I would give ancient Egypt a crack. Um, so, you know, I just really want to try and see if we can insult all of the cultures and all of the countries over our series of pods. Sure. So, well, just a bit of a tip. My researching uh, methodology is just making sure I spend time with as many male linguists from different parts of parts of the world and they teach me a trick or two and I pick some stuff up so fantastic I love that um and that, look it got me on to talking about pronunciation actually got me on to looking up whether there is a fear or a phobia <laughs> about pronouncing things incorrectly and there is um it is a a fear of pronunciation or long words and it is, oh, I've practiced it many times this morning, but we'll see how we Here go. Here we go. Hippopotamonstrosis quipidelophobia. <laughs> <laughs> Which ironically is one of the longest words in the dictionary. And that is the fear of long words. So no one who fears this is ever going to say it. No. And I'm, I'm not going to get offended by the hippo dig at me, by the way. We were just talking about... <laughs> COVID weight, but um, yeah, that is uh, 
mad props for you being able to pronounce that. That was epic. I practiced it over and over again. And it sort of does sound a little bit like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, which, you know, props to Julie Andrews, one of my faves. So I just went along with that. Um, So, yeah, don't say, listeners, that we don't teach you anything on this pod because we're truly sharing some great facts uh, or, you know, little trivia that you can use at a boring dinner party. Mm. So there you go. We're putting in effort, so you should too. Please, pretty please. That's exactly right. Please, (laughs) don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, So a couple other fun facts, speaking of fun facts, before I get on to the crux of my story, is that we're talking about ancient Egypt. There is a lot to discover, uh, but two things that weren't really kind of fitting into the the narrative of my story today, but were were equally equally interesting, so I wanted to share. Um, Ancient Egyptians, they were super keen on hygiene and medical practices. Uh, So they had things like they had an understanding that the pulse was connected to the heart. Um, They shaved their bodies, uh, you know, facial hair, hair, arm hair, like like the Mm. whole lot to try to prevent infections and illnesses. Um, And they also did a really good job of preserving bodies naturally with mummification and um, yeah, all of those techniques that they used. And they were also super into enemas. Oh, that's one of their things. That is so on brand with us. Good. (laughs) Isn't it? Anal rectal care is like generational. Thank you. It it is. That's right. And the, the oldest written text mentioning enemas um is where they they administered lots of uh uh, medications but there was the uh medical specialist who was a proctologist essentially but in ancient egyptian proctologist or their doctor uh it translated literally to the shepherd of the anus (gasps) so there you go okay um okay this is overwhelming me just a little bit uh i think (laughs) i think i need to put that on a t-shirt it sounds like a pretty decent t-shirt slogan. The shepherd of the anus. And then just a, I don't know, a pharaoh with his thumbs up, maybe. Um, <laughs> that is the t-shirt Feel free to design. design. That's it, yeah. Um, so that was, I thought that was interesting. Um, surprisingly, didn't fit into the rest of my story. So it's a standalone fact. Uh, and also the second thing, one of the reasons that I started uh, this episode and wanted to research this is if you've ever seen the film The Mummy mm-hmm. uh, with Brendan Fraser, one thing that will always stick with me are the scarab beetles that come rushing yeah. out of one of the tombs and actually crawl into and under the skin of one of the guys in, in the tomb. Um, I don't think I'll ever forget that image. So naturally scarab beetles, not a huge fan. Uh, but it's depicted in that movie that they attack and devour humans, that they crawl under the skin, uh, yeah, and try to eat us from the uh, inside out. Lovely. However, in reality, uh, scarabs would have a really hard time actually penetrating human skin, um, and they also like eating fruits and insects. Uh, They don't like eating flesh because they prefer eating waste. Oh, okay. So you can take that off your, your frightened list. I have because, um, you know, it was something that I thought I would need to be prepared for again a lot more in my adult life is scarab beetles. Um, But I feel better. Yeah. Having done this research. That was quite a traumatic scene. uh, Mm. But I'm glad. Well, I haven't been to Egypt yet, but that was definitely something that I was considering, you know, some steel cap toe shoes. I don't know. Those little, what are they? The gaiters? Oh, yeah. You know, the things that go over your boots. Yeah. Sexy. 
Also, I think the other traumatizing scene was probably the CGI of Dwayne Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but we've come we've come so far since then. <laughs> I think that haunts his uh, his dreams as well. That <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But look at him now; he's he's doing all right. And, and we totally love and stand with uh, Brendan Fraser. So glad to see him coming back into the world. Yes. Such a horrible story, but uh, we love you. Have always loved you. So anyway, shout out to Brendan Fraser if you're listening. Yeah, 100%. Those are my two facts that I just wanted to share that didn't, as I said, didn't tie in with my my story. So now I'll get into what I'm going to share with you, Dom, and with our listeners. So excited. So I know, it's going to be fun. So firstly, just to sort of, um, you know, uh, as a rough kind of, description a lot of bad shit happened in ancient Egypt um, is what I've discovered Uh, there's a whole bunch of people that I could have spoken about um, but I've just chosen two two people you know we're talking thousands and thousands of years BC so obviously a lot of history there you know a lot of uh, pharaohs a lot of famous famous faces um, so to speak the first one though that I want to start with and Bring on the pronunciation, the hippopotamusophobia. Can I can I guess? Was it Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston? <laughs> <laughs> I love that song. It wasn't. Sorry. It wasn't. Surprisingly, it should have been though. I think we'll try and do one a pot on those another time because they're just a whole. That's a whole other story. All right. So, Akhenaten, Pharaoh Akhenaten. Okay. I hadn't heard of him before I did my research on this, but I'll share a little bit about him for you. Akhenaten was a pharaoh of Egypt and he reigned over the country for 17 years between about 1353 BC and 1335. So that's 17 years and back in that day, that's that's a pretty good reign mm. for, for the time. Uh, there was also, I mean, Ramses II, he did rule for 67 years, which was pretty impressive. Um, but he also fathered 96 children. So, yeah, he needed to work. Like that, that he would have had some bills to pay. So having 96 kids. Anyhow, Akhenaten, either before or shortly after he became pharaoh, he married Nefertiti. Oh, oh. love her. So, yeah, some may know of these people. So I thought I'll just link that together, give you a bit of context. Now, Akhenaten was known as a religious reformer. So as you know, religion, worshipping gods, uh, you know, animals, that they're all a huge part of Egyptian culture. Mm-hmm. But Akhenaten, he actually changed their religion to Aten, which is a sun disk. So that saw the names of Amun, the preeminent Egyptian god, and his consort Mut be erased from monuments documents and everything throughout Egypt's empire. All of the pharaohs and people before who had, you know, uh, worshipped Amun and Mut, that was wiped off the history books by Akhenaten. Okay, I'm just going to have to pause there for a second. I mean, go, go mm-hmm. him. He Obviously, he knew what he was on about. He had a, he had a mission. But for our British listeners out there, <laughs> if someone named Mut... <laughs> if, Oh, Lord. <laughs> I didn't even think of yeah, that. I don't know if I could pray to Mutt every day. That would that would get me good. <laughs> <laughs> Look, 
Look, some people do. That, yeah. That's fine by them. Yeah, Each to do. your own. It's not in my yeah. not, not in my Bible, but holy moly. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kate. I can't I could not laugh at that. Look, it could be mutt. I I could be getting it you know, it could be getting No, this we're one, sticking with stick mutt. We're going with mutt. <laughs> Strap in for a mutt story, everybody. Yeehaw. Okay. Um so Akhenaten, he wanted to build a new city to to honor his uh, the god Amana, so that's his new god. Again, he's just gotten rid of the entire religion that's been part of their culture for thousands of years. So, in order to um, build this new city, he brought in twenty thousand people to the site, and he forced them to work until they pretty much dropped dead. Mm. So, look, not a great boss. Um, the bones that were found in the cemeteries, uh, of that town, uh, were suggested that more than two thirds of the men, uh, broke at least one bone while they were working and the other third literally broke their backs. And if anybody tried to escape, he ordered them to be stabbed to death. So you're essentially going to work till you die or you'll get stabbed. Mm. Those were your two choices. So I, you know, upon reading this bit, not a huge fan of this art and arcan guy but different strokes for different folks you know there's different times <laughs> Definitely. the people in Amana they also suffered from nutritional deficiencies and they had a high juvenile mortality rate even by the standards of the time a lot of the kids had stunted growth their bones were porous due to nutritional deficiency and it is believed that the commoners lived on a diet of mostly bread and beer oh. which was the same for me during uni yeah. I think about three or four years. That's not going to keep you lasting long. Like, <laughs> no. Um, uh, research has also found that uh, three quarters of the adults, they had degenerative joint diseases, likely from hauling heavy loads. So they're just carrying bricks and yeah, stuff like that all day long. Uh, and about two thirds of the adults, they also had at least one broken bone. Um, yeah, that's their working conditions. Not pleasant, not great. Akhenaten's just spent his time as Pharaoh... Uh, changing the entire religion. Uh, it was also believed that he changed a lot of the style of artwork in ancient Egypt at the time. So a lot of the traditional paintings were very, you know, the subjects were standing up very straight, very rigid. They were, you know, proportion, uh, you know, proportioned in terms of how they would imagine to be, uh, you know, painted yeah. or put onto, um, you know, walls and artifacts and things like that. But Akhenaten actually changed it so that the subjects all had really skinny arms. They had huge heads. They had like big sort of pot bellies. It was a very strange uh, change in that artistic uh, yeah, sort of method that they would use. And they thought that maybe that was because he had a physical deformity, that that was a, you ah. know, uh, uh, yeah, but there's no, they, they believe that they dug him up. Um, and it, his body, his uh, mummified body, didn't show any mm-hmm. sign of, of deformity. So they don't really know why he's made all of these cuckoo artworks. He's changed all the religion. He's changed the capital city, uh, you know, moved it to a, di- a different place. Um, so he's got, a, he's got a bit going on. He tried to make some changes. Yeah, I wonder if this would totally feed into those conspiracy theorists that are like, that's when aliens arrived and they all had skinny <gasps> arms and big heads and pot bellies from drinking too much oh VB. And that's <laughs> like, do you know what? It's <laughs> yeah. quite possible that someone out there has thought that, that it's such a big shift culturally in their worship. And then yeah. also art, like all of this, maybe 
I don't know. Aliens exist. Hey, you're not wrong. And I, I didn't even look down the, um, you know, the the alien timeline of that, but I'm sure that there's a lot of stories around yeah. that. But, oh, I like that. Mm. Maybe that's the next thing I'll have to look into. All right. So, you know, Arkhanaten's done a lot of these changes. Uh, it's ruled for 17 years. So whatever happened in the final years of his life, the religious changes, the new capital, the artwork, everything like that, um, it won't survive his death. So it's going to be changed. Um, within a few years of his death, which did happen around 1335, a new king was named, and that was Tutankhamun. <gasps> <laughs> so he ascended the throne, and many researchers now believe that Akhenaten was Tutankhamun's father um, and Nefertiti's son. Uh, so Tutankhamun, he was the boy king, so he was 10 years old when he became the pharaoh. Um, he was originally named Tutankhaten uh, because of the sun god Aten, ah. uh, but he changed it to honour Amun. So Amun and Mut, they all came back. Uh, and all of that previous religion that was created by his father was completely wiped out. So they moved back to their original capital. They changed all of the religion and, yeah, essentially wiped out any kind of history of what Akhenaten had tried to create. Uh, whilst he was pharaoh. My goodness, this is such juicy content here. Like, why have we, why do we always go to the religious route when it comes to Egypt and, you know, do Moses and like fine call, whatever. But I, we, we always go down that Roman history when it comes to movies and books and stuff and talk about all their political ins and outs. Like this, mm -hmm. this is fascinating. I'd be really curious to know why Tutankhamun decided to backpedal on his father's ridiculous ideas and, like, who influenced him? Did they kill yeah. Ar Arkin? Arkinan? Arkin. Arkin Arkin. Yeah. yeah. That sounds so bogan Aussie. Um, it really does. Arkin Arkin. do the dishes. Uh, yeah, I did get that vibe as well from it. We just really put that, put the mayonnaise on it. I was telling you earlier, Dom, that... My story wasn't necessarily going down quite the scary, the scary, uh, you know, plot hole that it could have. So we're, I put a bit of mayo on it. Put a bit of mayo on Ark and Arten. Uh, okay, so where were we? I was talking about Tutankhamun. Mm -hmm. um, another one, so another pronunciation thing. I did look pretty much all of the uh, pronunciation, either videos or the phonetic spelling. It is Tutankhamun. However, I watched a National Geographic documentary on Disney, and they would say Tutankhamun, mm. which it just didn't sit with me. It does sound a little bit fancier, but I'm, I'm going to stick with Tutankhamun. Please write in and tell me I'm wrong. I love, um, you know, ignoring constructive your, criticism. <laughs> ignoring your complaints. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I love, I love selecting all and deleting. Um, all right. So Tutankhamun, he ruled Egypt as a pharaoh for 10 years. So that's it. So only 10. So he was, he died at 19. So some sources say 19, some say 20, but yeah, look, he, he started as a pharaoh at 10 years old uh, and he only ruled for, for 10 years. Uh, so his rule, it was notable for reversing those religious reforms mm -hmm. from his dad, Arkhanaten. Uh, and then his legacy. So Tutankhamun wasn't particularly famous. So all of his successes basically did did more they did bigger things they did better things mm -hmm. and they ruled for longer so nobody really cared about him it's like you're the young king you did your stuff you you changed the religion back 
but ultimately you only ruled for 10 years. You didn't get a lot done. So he kind of wasn't known in, in that kind of culture. It wasn't particularly famous. However, in 1922, this changed uh, when British archaeologist Howard Carter chiseled through a doorway and entered the boy's, the boy Pharaoh's tomb. It had remained sealed for more than 3,200 years. Mm. And inside the tomb, there was a horde of artifacts. Uh, so there was, you know, a, a chariot and there was obviously gold and jewels and food and pets and pretty much everything that you can think inside of this tomb that had been sealed for over 3,000 years. So we're talking 1922, where all of a sudden now in a modern century, mm. where this has changed the, the, the tone for Tutankhamun. This is, this is a massive discovery. Uh, so it basically helped to create uh, the, the idea that King Tut is now the most famous pharaoh because of this discovery. Yeah, I was there. It was quite a day. <laughs> I just, I just come from the local cabaret. Mm-hmm. It was a thrill. Uh, but the problem is, when you mess with the tomb, you might get the curse. Oh, here so we go. That yes. So that's where it comes into what I find probably the most fascinating, uh, and they are the ancient Egyptian curses. Ancient Egyptians, they would put warning signs on their tombs, which would threaten a curse upon those who entered. This was in an attempt to protect their gold, their chariots, the pets, everything else that they popped into those tombs from grave robbers and from people that just, you know, lived in the area. Please don't come in here. Yeah, leave my budgies uh, alone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So one of the uh, curses, they'd be something along these lines. Cursed be those who disturb the rest of a pharaoh. They who shall break the seal of this tomb shall meet death by a disease that no doctor can diagnose. See, that's good. Like, that's not, like, whimsical and, you know, oh, yeah, that's bullshit. This is, that's like, okay, you know, this could happen. COVID, hello. Exactly, that's right. It sort of, it made me think too, because I just picture it as like, you know the signs that you see in workplaces, mm. like "Don't put your coffee cup in the sink" or "Shut the door when you go to the toilet." <laughs> is that are they going to have the same same thing where it's like done in like word art with like <laughs> some little like Egyptian mummies around in a border, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> printed and laminated with clip art? <laughs> oh my goodness, that oh, would look that so would cool good. again on a yeah. t-shirt. I'd love to see what oh. that curse. Someone designed us a curse, please. That would yeah, be cool. Please. I mean, there's plenty out there. Yeah. There are plenty. I've came across a lot, but they just really articulate and they just. Yeah, oh, they... I know. There would have been a QR code on the fucking tomb. <laughs> <laughs> please check in. Uh... <laughs> check in here so that we know if you get cursed, we can contact Trace. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that's the new that's the next step contact tracing for curses oh okay so this is on the you know on some of the tombs and whilst you know 1922 this tomb of, of king tut's been discovered 
So all of a sudden the world is fascinated. Um, they took pictures of what was inside the tomb. Uh, so everybody just lost their minds. You know, this is, this is one of the most incredible discoveries in, in the modern century. Uh, so everybody started to become a little bit obsessed with what was inside this tomb. What is this stuff? Who is King Tut? Mm. Speaking of curses, on King Tut's tomb, his inscription was, Death shall come on swift wings to him who disturbs the peace of the king. I'm not going in. Are you going in? Well, it said him. So, Kate, you're free. You know, this is <gasps> That's so true. This is one of those times when uh, sexism probably works in your favour. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, I'll go in uh, and I'll grab the, the chariot. Mm. Um, you know, we can use it for weddings and stuff. Hire it out. Chuck a few uh, doughies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Some Aussie slang for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're really we're really thick on the Aussie slang this episode. Yeah. So if you have no idea what we're talking about, please write in so we can ignore you too. Uh, speaking of ignoring things, wow, that was just an accidental little segue. Thank you. <laughs> this curse was ignored by Egyptologist Lord Carnarvon and discoverer Howard Carter when they decided to open the tomb in 1922. Okay, so we've found all of these, you know, treasures, all of this stuff, all of these treasures, they made headlines. But then the sensationalistic accounts of subsequent death of, of the expedition sponsor, Lord Carnarvon, also started to create headlines. People started to get really interested in what was going on. So Lord Carnarvon, he was the financial backer of the team. He died four months after opening the tomb. Mm. What's most interesting is that he died of a mosquito bite on his cheek. And allegedly when he died, all of the lights in his house went out. Ooh, okay. It is also alleged with zero facts or, you know, credibility to this whatsoever, that Tutankhamun also had a cut on his face in the same place. Oh, okay. There we go. But they didn't do, uh, you know, an autopsy, so that can't be confirmed. But I'm going to believe it mm -hmm. because it sounds cool. In real reality, uh, Carnivan died of blood poisoning, so he did get a mosquito bite on his face. But then when he was shaving, he actually cut it open. Um, and he was in Egypt at the time in terms of hygiene during that time, and it was a bit trickier. Um, so he died of blood poisoning. I'm going to assume, though, that he, he died of a curse. Mm. That's pretty crazy. Well, Lord Carnivan, I guess he should be proud of the fact that his namesake would live on and there'd be a town named after him in Australia and would end up finding Cleo Smith there. So, Oh, my God. <sighs> look, bad for him, great for Cleo. So, okay. So that's, I completely that's agree. That's the first death. That is a bit creepy. I have to say that is a bit creepy. The lights, the cut, the same cut as King Tutu. Yeah, that's it. And this was just the beginning. So there are some other deaths that are associated with the team that were either a part of, of, you know, breaking into the tomb or, you know, entering the tomb or subsequently interacted with King Tut's remains. So I'm going to share some of those with you now. You can believe, you can choose not to believe, 
I choose to believe because it's creepy as hell. Mm. Uh, and, and I kind of enjoy it. I like this little super, you know, supernatural creepy stuff. The next one I really enjoy. Sir Bruce Ingham. Welcome to the party, Bruce. Please join. Take a seat. He was a friend of Howard Carter. So Howard Carter was the one yeah. that, that entered the King Tut's tomb. So he received, so Bruce received some gifts from, from Howard. Um, but this one was particularly creepy. He sent in a box, it was a severed mummified hand. And it was wearing a bracelet that said, cursed be he who moves my body. So why you would move it, I don't know. But this is a creepy ass cursed hand inside a box wearing a bracelet that says, please don't move me. But he sent it, Howard sent it to his friend Bruce. A few days after Bruce received this gift, his house burnt to the ground. Oof, girl. Then, not only does his house burn to the ground, but he starts rebuilding it. And then there's a flood. Knocks it down for the second time. What, is he living in Melbourne? Yeah, he must be. (laughs) (laughs) Over the past couple of days. So that is... That's messed up. His house burns down and then there's a flood. What are the, um, you know, the like in the the story of, of Egypt, the curses, mm. you know, the locusts and the flood and the fires and the, that's a couple of and them. And the blood, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've had the mosquito bite. So I'm going to go like on the locust bandwagon there. We've had the blood, like he had blood poisoning. Now we've got the fire. Now we've got the flood. I don't know about you. I'm no maths teacher, but it's adding We up. are racking up quite a... Uh... Quite a um, convincing case here. Thank you. Uh, All right. The next victim, Sir Archibald Douglas Reed. He was not one of the uh, excavators, um, but he was a radiologist and he x-rayed King Tut's body uh, before it was given to the museum. He got really sick the next day. So he x-rayed King Tut. The next day he gets really ill. Three days later, dead. Carked it. Carked it. Gone. Jeez. X-ray man, dead. I mean, it's pretty invasive. True. Yeah. So he's gone. The next, we have Hugh Evelyn White. Now, Evelyn White is a British archaeologist. He visited King Tut's tomb and may have helped to, um, you know, excavate the site. Mm-hmm. After seeing death sweep over about two dozen of his fellow excavators in 1924, Evelyn White died by suicide. Wow. But not before writing, allegedly in his own blood, I have succumbed to a curse which forces me to disappear. Oh, that's creepy as fuck. Yeah, so he's decided that he's seen all of these people uh, dying who had something to do with, you know, Tutankhamun. Um, So he thought, well, I'm just going to... I'm just going to finish it before something takes me. Mm. Um, so that was his choice. So that's Hugh Evelyn White. Well, we're up to Go like on. four or five people now. Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. And this is just a selection. Like there's allegedly, you know, anywhere between 12 and, and 20 that could be associated with mm. it. Um, but these were some of the ones that I just sort of enjoyed the most that I felt were the most, most compelling. All right. Next victim. Mm. It's, Aaron Ember. Everyone welcome Aaron Ember to the party. Hi, Aaron. How are you going? American Egyptologist Aaron Ember. He was friends with a lot of the people that opened up 
the two. Mm-hmm. So whilst, you know, not directly involved, uh, he was friends with heaps of heaps of the people that were there and that, that did the expedition, um, including Lord Carnarvon. Ember died in 1926 when his house in Baltimore burned down. Again, fire. What the hell? Uh, his house in Baltimore burned down less than an hour after he and his wife had hosted a dinner party with the people that had excavated this site that had something to do with it. So he hosts a dinner party. He could have exited safely, but his wife encouraged him to save a manuscript that he'd been working on while she went and got their son. So sadly, they and the family's maid died in the catastrophe. So they've tried to go and save. Yeah, they've tried to go and save the son, the maid's there. The wife has asked uh, Aaron to go and grab the manuscript that he'd been working on. Um, they'd spent weeks and weeks and weeks, you know, months working on this manuscript. The title of the manuscript that he was working on, the Egyptian Book of the Dead. Don't you even come around here, come around here. <laughs> the Egyptian Book of the Dead. And his house burns to the ground. Everybody dies. Leave that shit. Leave that shit to burn. Like, I, I was half expecting it would be like a new will or something and she was going to get everything. So she's like, honey, yeah. can you please make sure you bring that? No. Please get the life insurance policy. Sign it on your way out. I'll get the boy. No. no. The Egyptian Book of the Dead. So, you know, we're starting to um, really rack up some of these deaths, which are a bit cuckoo. Before I get to the last one, um, which was one of my favourites, uh, it's the least in terms of um, fact. But we're, we're going to bypass that because we love a bit of mayo. We love a bit of fiction. Look, we're going down this rabbit hole. If you're going to talk mm. about curses and things like that, you know, d- despite what you may or may not believe, I think we've got to do the full hog here and see, you know, What's what? I agree. I agree. Um, so just to sort of, you know, let's circle back. Uh, Howard Carter, I didn't include him. You might be thinking, you know, what about Howard Carter? He's the one that went in there. He moved all the stuff. He did all the things. Um, he died of old age. So, you know, he died of like lymphoma when he was a lot older. So that goes against everything that I've been looking up. Mm. But, you know, if you, go, if you say like, oh, my gosh, Howard Carter, he... He was, uh, you know, it was a bit later on, but he died of old age. <gasps> yeah, we can, we'll associate that to our Yeah, to our well, Tutankhamen didn't. So maybe, exactly. maybe Tutankhamen <gasps> took over Howard's body and was living as Howard. Oh, my God. There you go. That's, I think that's really what it is. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Um, so thanks for staying with me on that one. That's why I didn't include him, but I didn't want you to think that I'd just, you know, poo-pooed Howard. Um, but the other ones, yeah. you know, mosquitoes, fire, flood, uh, it's, that's a lot. This one is, it is my final one, but it is my most, my most favourite mm. one. And I really want it to be true. Okay. <laughs> so let's just go with it. A lot of people do claim it not to be true, but there were sounds heard coming from a mummy's wooden coffin one night at one of the British museums. Mm-hmm. So after they excavate all of these, uh, you know, sarcophaguses and these coffins and things like that, they do send them to museums. So the British Museum has acquired a few of these and it's yeah alleged that one night there were some sounds coming from them. Then all of a sudden, one of the guards that was, you know, 
at the museum and looking after these exhibits died mysteriously at the museum. Mm. They don't know how, they don't know why, but they started to get a little creeped out by mm. this. So they thought, well, we'll ship the, the coffins off. Let's send them to the States yeah. and let's just, you know, get, get them out of <laughs> here. The Yanks do <laughs> it, can be, <laughs> it can be America's problem. So they pop uh, a couple of these coffins from the British Museum onto a ship to send them over to America. The name of that ship was the RMS Titanic. Oh, <gasps> holy shit balls. So whilst that might not be, you know, uh, attributed to fact, I sure as shit believe that because we all know what happened to the Titanic and that's some cursed shit. Yeah, poor Iceberg was doing nothing and some ship decides to have a crack. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Kate, that is... I was so not expecting it to go anywhere near the vicinity of something like that. That's kind of... Yeah. I'm really... Now that you mention it, I have a bit of a... Because you may or may not know, I was once a Titanic... A Titanic fan? Uh, obsessed. Were you a fan of the... Okay. <laughs> so when you say, like, just... Just share with our listeners, because I do have a little bit of an idea, having visited your <laughs> your bedroom as young cousins. Mm. Um, can you just share just a little just a little snippet? Not the whole lot, and we don't want to scare people, but just even just a little bit. I ha- yeah, well, here we go. Vulnerability <laughs> moment. Vul- come over to Dominic's Vulnerability Corner, where I share some <laughs> of the most embarrassing parts of my life. Feel free to do it as well. Uh, yeah, I had the posters, I had the 3D models, I had the books, I had the movies, uh, yeah, I just had everything. And, um, but I kind of, I remember there being a little link or a story about there. I think it was that kind of, oh, don't know if it's true or not, but I do recall something about there being, um, uh, Egyptian mummies on, on, on Titanic. So, Mm. It's a big follow through that, that it's a curse. Like if you're going to do it, do it in a bag. Hey, on the Shooting Bricks podcast, we welcome follow through. Mm. So that's completely fine. That was my favorite curse toward the end. Now, I actually now looking at what I've written here, I don't remember how this quote fits in. So you might need to help me. Mm. But as I was going, it fit really well. Perhaps I've edited my text. So now I don't know how it fits in. Um, but... We all know what happened to the Titanic. And as President George W. Bush once said, there's an old saying in Tennessee, and I know it's in Texas, it's probably in Tennessee, that says, fool me once, shame shame on you, fool me, and you can't get fooled again. (laughs) (laughs) And I have no clue how that fit in. Oh. But I just wanted to share it. <laughs> as she, as she has please been. feel free. <laughs> feel, please feel free to write in and tell me where my brain was when that happened. It must have had something to do with the, you know, the story not being true. Uh, with the coffin being on the Titanic, is that the link? No, I think it, I me. think it's. Um, hey, here's a warning. Don't disrupt these burial grounds, these sites, these, you know, they're places of borderline worship or whatever. There's a big old warning mm. on the uh, on the front door. Fool you once, 
you come in, you do it again because I'm sure we've we've knocked down a few walls since then to to absolutely and gone through some curses and and we're still not learning our lesson. And I mean, mm. maybe that's the link, or uh, yeah. Who who really knows? Um, but thank you so much for staying with me whilst I went through my <laughs> my, my brain my brain fade my brain far. Who knows? <laughs> Um, but you're so welcome listeners for letting me, you know, for, for sharing that, that quote with you that had zero meaning. It just happened to be at the end of the document I wrote. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think though the biggest thing, you know, I was watching, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, I was, I was watching a documentary on, um, National Geographic. And one of the things that, you know, that breaks my heart is, is what those tombs and what you know the valley of the kings mm. and and everything what that looks like now it is just it, i mean it's tourism and i understand that understand you know our global economy needs tourism to work but it's really devastating to see something that is thousands and thousands and thousands of years old to be so just commercialized and so uh yeah so disturbed and it's, you know, it was nice to go on this little journey to go back in time and just to think in my mind what what some of that might have looked like and what that would be. Um, I ain't going to go open no tombs anytime soon. I don't know about you. Uh, but thank you, Dom, for joining me on my cursed journey through ancient Egypt. I loved it. I think it's, I think it's wonderful. It's a great, great topic. I think it can be incredibly scary. Um, I think... You know, on that serious note, I know they're about to open that huge, amazing new museum uh, in mm-hmm. Egypt, which is really, really awesome and cool. And I think what's even better is that they are finally or partially reclaiming a lot of these things that I think are culturally significant to the country that yeah. uh, they should be returned to where they are from. They shouldn't be in some museum elsewhere. Uh, but I look, I think this is such a great topic and it's totally scary. I, I wish that there what we lived in a world where this stuff was real and I could believe it, but yeah. as a kid, for yeah, sure. Oh yeah. You know, for sure. It's otherworldly a time like that. And, um, yeah, if you believe in other things like witchcraft and, and so on, why mm. can't you believe in this sort of stuff? Absolutely. I thought it was a ripper one. It was so different from what we normally do. I love it when you take us on these weird-ass journeys from space oh. to Egypt. You have covered all of time almost, and we're only up to episode four. <laughs> we're, we're, we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to work our uh, our way up from the creation of the planet to to, to modern day times. <laughs> but that's the point. Like uh, look, what find yeah. what we find scary is always so different and unique to each person, which is why we when we started this podcast we did not want to just do the same old generic stories that everyone's done to death and and has probably done it better than we have anyway (laughs) (laughs) no way i think we're killing it we're doing it we're doing just fine but yes i look forward to uh next week's episode dom tell me are you can you give us a little like a little hint maybe what you're going to chat about next week absolutely so i wasn't sure last week but this week i I'm, i'm pretty set and um I don't know how much of a link there is to this, but I've decided to. <laughs> I've decided. It's going to be tough because I didn't really have any links through my entire story. So <laughs> if you can try and find a link, if you, does it link at all to a random George Bush quote that I don't know how I put it in? I have just discovered the link. 
Hit the me. link is the power of suggestion. Okay. Oh. So bear with me. This next week's story is going to be about how susceptible we are to being influenced by powers of authority and the monstrous things that can be done without full knowledge of the full situation. And uh, it's it's a pretty, I think it's a, it's a scary story to me because again, you know, I like those innocuous everyday kind of circumstances. Um, and it's gonna, it's going to uh, take place at a McDonald's. <laughs> so oh I'll leave you with gosh, that. I love it. I cannot wait. I am so excited. I'm getting, yeah, I'm getting like work vibes in terms of influence of people around you. I've, yeah, there's certainly, uh, yeah, cohort, cohorts of students that I've seen who, yeah, they get influenced by some, some weird shit. Mm. Uh, but yeah, this is, this is going to be exciting. I cannot wait. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dominic, and to our listeners as well. Please, you know, don't forget to like and subscribe to our social medias. Uh, yeah, and if you do have any complaints, feel free to send them through. We will not read them. Uh, and if you've got any, you know, gratitude, please send that. We will maybe have a look and post it. Yeah. I'd love it. And if you're, if you're a graphic designer or artistic, there was a few uh, call-outs for some, <laughs> some, some merch in there. We'd love to some see some T-shirts merch. from this. <laughs> there better be some Shepherd of the Anus gear out there <laughs> by next week, I tell you what. <laughs> You crack me up. I love you, Kate. us up with your designs. I love you too, Dom, and I will see you next week. Cannot wait to speak to you then. Well done. Woo! Bye! That's a wrap. Big shout out to everyone for tuning in to Shit and Bricks. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review us. Plus, you can find extra little nuggets on our socials. Next week, we'll be back talking more shit, so do not forget to tune in. And remember to wipe, flush, and wash your hands. Goodbye. Goodbye.